Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. How many know that rankings are important? How many check Yelp before you go choose a restaurant? Because rankings are important. Hotels have rankings. Restaurants have rankings. Automobiles have rankings. In fact, if you're an Uber driver, you tell someone after you drop them off, hey, could you make sure that you give me a good review? Because rankings are important. We find rankings everywhere we go. You find them in sports. That's why we have the Super Bowl, because rankings are important. In every aspect of life, you're going to find, even in sales and MMA and boxing, there are rankings that take place. Even Jesus ranked the disciples. He had the 12, but then he had three that he called the sons of thunder, and then he had one that was the closest to him. Tell me that rankings aren't important. If you turn your Bibles with me this morning, I want you to see something here. In the book of, uh, I think it's 2 Samuel, as I'm looking here, I'm realizing that uh, I might not even have it on my notes here. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. I just want to, verse 8, we're just going to read that first part. These are the names of the, of the who? Whom David had. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want want you to see something here as we take a look at this. Rankings are important, and David was no different. King David, this is the man that when Saul went and chased him down, he went and hid in a cave called Adullam. And that cave, Adullam, meant witness. He He hid out to get away from the king that was trying to kill him. And as he's hiding out, the Bible says 400 men who were depressed, distressed, and in debt gathered around him. Now, you see the men that are gathered around him are, you look at those that are in debt, distressed, and in discontent. They're losers. They were left off Saul's army. And yet when David goes on the run, all these guys that can't pay their bills that are depressed, that are distressed, gather around David. And David looks at these misfits that are around him, and rather than complain about those people that are surrounding him, David turns them into mighty men. I need you to understand is that great leadership isn't about just influence. Great leadership is about environment. And David carried an environment with him. He shifted atmospheres. He had the ability to turn a cave into a palace, to turn men that were distressed in debt and discontent and turn them into mighty men. And out of those 400 that gathered around him, there were 30 of them that rocked that he called his mighty men. And at the end of David's life, David takes a look and David doesn't begin to talk about his portfolio. He talks about his people. See, at the end of your life, it's not going to be the money that you made that's important. It's going to be the people that have invested in your life, that made you who you are. Someone one time told me this, invest your time into the people that will be around your bed when you die. Those are the most important people of your life. 
Make sure that you are investing your time. Most of us are spending more time with people at work than we're spending time with people that will be around your bed when you pass away. Say it again, Pastor. It is important to understand something, that David took these men, and out of the 30, there were three that stood head and shoulders. And I want to talk to you very quickly this morning about those three that were elite. These three stood stood out above all the other ones. Their name were Adino, Eleazar, and Shema. Adino, Eleazar, and Shema. And these three men did some amazing things. And I want you to see that these men are listed right as David breathes his final breath. Because at the conclusion of David's life, it was the people around him that were important. I want you to notice three things if you're taking notes. And just very quickly, let me give you three things that I believe what made these individuals great. And where do you rank? As as you recognize this, can people count on you? If they were to rank you, if your wife was to rank you, would you even be in the top three of the men in her life? If your husband were to rank you, would you show up in the top uh, 30 in in their, their life? You need to understand that rankings are important, that there is a certain standard that we have here. Number one, what made them mighty? I believe that they could be counted on. Come on. They could be counted on. David didn't just count his mighty men. He counted on them. What made them mighty is that David could give them an assignment and they were going to carry it out. Number two, I want you to see this. Not only were they individuals that could be counted on, they never gave excuses. They just brought results. Have you ever been around those people that constantly bring excuses for everything that happens in their life? There's always someone's fault, always someone else's what what they did. And they're all complaining about the environment, things on the outside. Leadership has the ability to transform environments. What made these men mighty is that they never brought excuses. They only brought about results. Number three, everyone say number three. They were not driven by limelight. They were driven by loyalty. It wasn't a, they, they didn't do these things so that they could be ranked as one of the top 30. They weren't trying to get to the top three. They were just loyal. They had been touched. They had been impacted. David had taken these men that were in debt and distress and discontent. They had partnered with this man and he invested their lives into him. And because they invested their lives into him, they were committed to the man. Some of you would turn your back on the very people that invested their life in you if you had a moment to be able to get ahead. Because you're trying to climb the ladder. Loyalty is no longer something that we value. It's all about getting mine. Loyalty. They had loyalty over limelight. And I want to talk to you about these three individuals. Each one of them was better because of David. My dad taught me years ago when we went camping, he would tell me this. He says, son, always leave the campsite better than you found it. When you go into a campsite, make sure that when you leave, pick up every paper. Make the place look better than it was. Make it look like you were never there, but make it look better. I've taken that mantra for my life that everyone I come in contact with, I want to leave them better than what I found them. Now, you might leave angry when when you walk away from me, but you will leave better. Say it again, Pastor. There might be things that I say that you might not appreciate, but later on you'll recognize. I've had people walk away from me in life and then come back later on and say, you know what? I was mad at you when I left, but I realized you were doing this for my own good. 
See, let, let me tell you this. Every one of us needs at least two people in our lives that can tell us no and we'll listen to them. Who are those people in your life? Who's that individual that says, no, no, that's not a good idea, and you'll listen to them? That even though you're, you're dead set on doing something, you have someone that could speak into your life and say, it's not a good idea. And you'll be willing to, even if it doesn't make any sense, you trust them enough to know that they love you enough to tell you the truth. We need people in our lives that will do that. 2 Samuel 38, verse 8, he says this. These are the names of the mighty men. Everyone say mighty men. Whom David had. They, they belonged to David. They were partners. Josh Hebesheth, the Tachmanite, the chief of the captains, he was called Adino, the Ezanite, because he killed what? With what? 800 men with the spear. You know, what's a trip is this. When I look at Adino, as you look at all the mighty men that are listed in the word of God, every single mighty man has a father listed on there. Adino doesn't. His dad's not listed. What does that tell me? You do not need to have a father in your life for you still to be a mighty man or woman of God. You can still ascend. You can still become who God want you to be just because a man wasn't in your life, didn't be the person that they needed to be in your life. There's no mention of his father. And yet he doesn't use that as a crutch to say, well, my dad wasn't in my life. That's why I, I don't have any responsibility. The difference between a boy and a man is his ability to take responsibility. Psychologists, and, and that's why we, we got 60-year-old boys running around that can't take responsibility. It's always someone else's fault. You know what I love about this? That his name means, Adino, that name means, let, let me see, Brother Dave, can I borrow your chair real quick? Sure. Adino means this, he who sits in the seat. The one who sits in the seat. In other words, the buck stops with me. If there's a problem, I'll deal with it. If there's something wrong, even if it's not my fault, I'll take responsibility for it. You're not going to pass it on to the next generation. I'm going to deal with the addiction. I'm going to deal with the brokenness. I'm going to deal with the divorce. I'm going to deal with the bondages. I'm going to deal with those things. I'm not going to pass it on to the next generation because that's what mighty men do. He was the chief among them all. Why? Because the buck stopped with him. See, I want you to understand no excuses. And the, the thing is, he killed how many men? Why not 801? Hmm? It's an even number. <laughs> you think he was out there counting? There's one, there's two, three, four, five, six, seven. He, he's, not, he's not counting that. He's not counting. Why not 799? Why not 801? He stopped when the job was completed. Oh, you didn't hear me. Say it again, Pastor. He fought until the job was completed. There wasn't 801 because there wasn't 801, 801 enemies that were out there. He dealt and did the job that he was required to do, and he kept on fighting until the job was completed. 
When I look at it, I think, man, a spirit, if I'm going to try to kill 800 men, a spirit is the last weapon I'm going to use. You got to throw it, run back, get it. I mean, you, you, it's I, I, M16, AK, I mean, uh, you know, a nine. There, there has to be other weapons out there that you could use to, that it's going to be a little more conducive to killing 800 people in one encounter. Yet he doesn't complain about what's in his hand. You want, you want me to kill all these men and you give me this? Stop complaining about what you have and start utilizing what God's given to you. We spend so much time complaining about what we lack instead of utilizing what we have. What made him mighty is he didn't complain about what was in his hand. He used what God gave him in his hand to the best of his ability. He became an expert with that spear. He did his best with that spear, and he utilized what God gave him. Let me tell you something. You're complaining about your wife. Someone else would kill to have your wife. You're complaining about your husband. There are ladies out there that would kill to have a husband like yours. You're complaining about your kids. There are people out there that are dying wishing that they could have children and they don't. There was someone out there that would kill to have your abilities, your talents, your opportunities. Stop complaining about what you have and utilize what you have. Everyone, everyone say Adino. Second individual I want you to see is this. I can catch up with where I'm at here. Verse 9 of chapter 23 of 2 Samuel. After him. Someone say after him. Uh, Let me tell you something, man. I mean, Eleazar, the guy we're going to talk about now, is bad. But Adino, there's rankings. You want to get better, do something better. You want a higher ranking, work harder at it. But when we get to Eleazar, after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, or Dudu, however you want to pronounce it. The Ahoite, I'm not even going to go there. One of the three mighty men with David went, check this out, when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. Now, when's the last time you heard about the Philistines and Israel and someone defying? What was that? David and Goliath. Yet the tables were turned. It was Goliath and the Philistines that were defying the armies of Israel. Now, after David kills Goliath, now he's raising up some new giant killers. And now David's like, hey, man, you want to do something? Let's get together. Let's let's go where the army's at. And they did this to us. Let's do it to them now. Hey, man, come on. Bring it on, homie. You want some of this? Come on. Send us your best guy against our best guy, and we'll see who wins. problem is the Philistines responded and their whole army went after David and the Israelites and the Israelites ran it says 
when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel retreated, they ran on him. Now, I, I want you to capture this because this is so important, okay? This is so important. They all leave. They all run. They leave David and Eleazar. They're, 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 come on, bring it on. And they start running. They turn around and all their armies are gone. It's just David and Eleazar. And I love this because there's three A's I want you to see. He, he arose, he attacked, and he attained. He arose, he stood up in the midst of this battle. And he arose, he attacked, and he attained. I need you to understand something. When you take a stand for something, when you begin to place yourself in the middle of a field, of a battlefield, when things get hot, when things get difficult, there are going to be some people that will abandon you. Say it again, Pastor. Not everyone that starts a fight with you will finish with you. But just because they're no longer with you doesn't mean that you don't have a fight to fight. Uh, no, you, you, you. no one else can fight for your marriage but you. No one else can fight for your sobriety but you. No one else can fight for your future but you. No one else can break the chains of addiction over your life but you. You are responsible to fight your battle. And even when everyone else abandons you, can you arise? Can you attack? And can you attain? Oh, come on. Somebody got to hear me this morning. See, the thing that blows me away the most is this. The Bible says that he, he stood there with David and he begins to fight. He fights off the enemy. And what blows me away is this is the last part of this verse. Got to capture this. The sword stuck to his hand. He fought so long that the sword became part of him. No, 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 You're, you missed you miss something here. There comes a time in your life, for those of you that have been walking in Christ for a minute, you've been following Jesus for a minute, you've been going, you've been studying the word, you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon, but then you find yourself in the middle of a battle, and in the middle of that battle, you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting. Why? Because the warrior rises up in each and every one of us when adversity comes in, and after you get through the adversity, there's a time of letdown. There's a time that, that you realize, man, I'm tired, I'm weary, I just want to let this thing go, and the word of God is a sword. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and there comes a time in your life where you're you're you've been holding the sword you've been fighting with the sword but there comes a point where battle gets so intense that you just got you want to let it go you're tired you want to let it go but all of a sudden when you try to let go of the word you realize you don't have the word the word has you the word of God's become part of you the word of God can't let you go. And you're, you're sick in body and you're, you're, you're trusting God for healing. And you've given up on healing. But I am the God that healeth you. By, my, by your stripes I am healed. The word of God is the very thing that sustains you and holds on to you. I want you to know something. People might abandon you in the middle of your fight. They abandoned David and Eleazar. But after they won... 
the nation returns to celebrate the spoil. You're fighting right now for people that might have abandoned you, but they're going to enjoy the fruits of your victory. Everyone say Eleazar. As we close this morning, verse 11, after him, someone say after him. I can tell I haven't preached in a couple weeks. I'm tired. (laughs) I don't have my preaching preaching stamina right now. After him was Shema. I love Shema. These dudes, I I would just love to hang out with these dudes once. Get to heaven, everyone's going to be running to Jesus. They're going to be running to Paul. I want to go chill with these three dudes. I just want to hear them talk about their battles. I, want to, I just, want, just want to sit down at the Holy Ghost Tavern in heaven and just chill with these guys and listen to them just talk about their, their exploits. After him was Shema. Everyone say Shema. The son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together in a troop, and there was a piece of ground full of what? What rank does Shema have? Number three. And there's a war going on, and of all places, the king places him is in a lentil bean field. Have you ever felt like your assignment didn't match your anointing? I'm better than where I'm at right now. I'm more gifted than what you've given me. I can handle more than what you're... I'm number three. And you don't have me on the front line. You don't have me going behind enemy lines. You have me defending a bean field. Do you know what I can do? Have you seen the exploits that I've done? I didn't get to number three by accident. I I have abilities. I have talents. I have the ability to fight. Why is it you place me in a bean field? Lentil beans of all things. Now being Latino, if it were pinto beans, I'd fight for them. I'm not sure I'm fighting for lentil beans. Everyone, second time we see this, everyone flees. But the Bible says that Shema placed himself, stationed himself in the middle. Someone say middle. People need to know where you stand. We don't have a clue where some of you stand in your beliefs. Because on Monday you're standing in one place, on Tuesday you're standing in another, on Wednesday you're somewhere else, and then on Sunday morning you're in the middle of God's field. Where do you stand? He stationed himself in the middle of the lentil. There was going to be no mistake what he was defending. No mistake of what he was doing. And when everyone fled, he stood in the middle of it and he defended it. I'm here to tell you something. It was just beans. Just beans. 
Big deal if we let go of a lentil being filled. Something small. But it was worth fighting for. What are you fighting for? It's just smoke. It's just a drink. It's just an affair. It's just pornography. It's just an attitude. It's just unforgiveness. It's a little thing. Are you willing to fight for what God's placed you in charge of? You got a field called your family. You got a field called your job. You got a field called your community. There's something that God placed you. David placed Shema there because he needed someone to defend. If there's no food, the army doesn't have, have the strength to fight the battle. And he had to put his best soldier in the place where he knew that he could, he could count on him. That if everyone else ran, he knew that Shema would stay the course. Listen to me very carefully. You are not where you're at right now by accident. God needs you in the field that you're in right now. You are where you're supposed to be. You are exactly where God wants you to be right now in this moment. Why? Because God needs you to defend that field. God needs you to, to, to stand for that field. I want to know what's your bean field today. What are you willing to fight for when you're outnumbered? Are you willing to stand there when everyone else abandons you that you're willing to stand? Where do you rank? Where do you rank? in your marriage, in your family, in your community, your team, your church, or even with your God. As I close, David tells a story about these three men. He talks about how they were in the cave of Adullam. And David was sitting in the cave and he said this, just speaking out loud, thinking out loud. Man, I sure would love a drink from the well in Jerusalem. That water is so good. Adino, Eleazar, and Shema heard him. They went and fought through enemy lines to the city of Jerusalem, got to the well, got a cup of water from the well, fought back through enemy lines to bring that drink of water to the king. Man, you, you, people like that, Just want to drink from Starbucks. All of a sudden, everyone shows up with a six-shot caramel macchiato with coconut milk upside down, light caramel. He, he was just—he wasn't—he wasn't saying that because he wanted the, them to go get the water, but they risked their lives to bring him the water. Follow me on this. When they bring him the water, when they bring him the water. David takes the water that they brought him and says this, God forbid that I drink this water. For these men risked their lives for me for this water. And he poured it out as an offering unto God. Now, I don't know about you, 
If I just fought be through enemy lines, it, it, these guys are bad. They didn't just fight through enemy lines and then fight all the way back again. They didn't spill a drop. And then David pours it out. We just, we just went through all that for you. But that didn't get them upset. It got them fired up. Why? What David was saying, listen closely as I close. As David poured out the water, he was saying this. Don't settle for a drink when God promised you the well. David knew that he had been anointed king and that the city of Jerusalem was going to be his capital city. And he knew that the well in Jerusalem belonged to him. And if he had settled for the drink, he never would have taken over the city. I need you to understand, stop settling for a sip when God wants to give you the whole well. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. What are you fighting for? I said, what are you fighting for? In a moment, I'm going to open the altars. And here at the altar, we have lentil beans. And I want you to come up and I want you to grab one. Put it in your wallet, put it somewhere that, that reminds you, tape it somewhere that every time you see this bean, you remember what you're fighting for. You might not be fighting right now for a lentil bean, but this bean represents that you're fighting for something. That whenever you want to give up, you remember what you're fighting for. And as Troy begins to sing, we're going to open the altars. I want you to come and I want you to grab a lentil. I want you to grab a bean. I want you to hold on to it and then just hang out at the altar for a moment because we're going to close out in prayer. But I want you right now as we begin to just sing, as we worship, I want you to come and I want you to grab a bean. You don't need to grab 20 of them. I don't know if we have enough for both services, so just grab one. You just need one bean, okay? Well, I'm grabbing one for my auntie or Thea. Grab her a pinto bean later on, okay? Just grab one lentil bean right now all right stay with me stay with me Troy would you sing let's worship these altars are open
broken love this will be our anthem song Jesus we love you oh how we we want to rank and if we don't rank right now God in your eyes where it counts Rick Warren said we spend more time planning vacation than we do our eternity we invest more into the now than we do into eternity I want you to search your heart right now if God were to rank you, where do you rank right now? When I asked God that question, I was embarrassed how I felt last night in prayer. Because I know there's more ability, more capability that I can give to God. I want you all to take right now that seed that you're holding, that bean. And I want you to understand that that bean represents potential. That it may seem like a small thing that you're giving into, a small thing that you're letting pass by, but it's the small things in life that make the big difference. If you can make a change in one area of life, it'll impact and disciplines in other areas of your life as well. I want to challenge you right now. As you hold that bean, just to make a commitment to God right now. Lord, it may just be a bean, but Lord, I'm willing to fight for this. Whatever field you place me in, God, I will do my best. If it's a spear in my hand, I'll use it. God, if it's a family you've given me, if it's a voice you've given me, if it's leadership, if it's the ability to listen, whatever you've placed in my hand, I'll use it. To the best of my ability, I'll stop complaining about what I have and I'll use what I have. Lord, I pray today, God that I would be willing, my God, to get a hold of the Word of God to the point that when things get tough, that when I try to let go of it, that the Word will hold on to me. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I make a commitment, God. I'm willing to stand in the middle of the bean field, and I refuse to settle for a drink 
when, Lord, you promised me the whole well. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.